is Killstreak. aggressive bats it's killstreak episode 127 the podcast where i eric goslin navigate my co-host mike price's increasingly byzantine schedule (laughs) mike Uh, price how are you i'm fine it's our normal recording time this is actually it is our normal recording time and i was away for the weekend so that did you know I'm as much to blame as you, but I like to give it to you, you know? Yeah. Stick it to you. I do know, and it hurts sometimes. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's all in jest. Yeah. We're here today to talk about the third and final movie in the Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy, The House by the Cemetery. Yeah. I was just thinking, as I was finishing the movie, I was like, it would be a good bit to be like, man, I wish he'd... I wish he'd made one more uh, <laughs> Gates of Hell movie, yeah. as if that fucking means anything. As if that means anything. I was thinking that too. As I was, I was like, "There's no gate. There's zero Gates of Hell in this movie." Yeah. Now, I mean, the thing is, I at, at the same time, I had the parallel thought that was like, "Well, this is great. Anything we can do to have an excuse to just watch three movies by someone we otherwise wouldn't watch." Yeah. You know. So it, thank I you, mean, Internet or whoever the fuck decided this was a trilogy. I gotta say, man, um, I'm enjoy. I really had a good time. You know, this movie, notwithstanding, we'll mm-hmm. see how we feel. Yeah, um, I had a good time just kind of diving into one director's work. Yeah, um, it is. And it I definitely is, want to watch more. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, the closest we've we've really come to to getting to to look at a body of work that way, maybe to Child's Play series, I would say. Child's um, play, I'd say Phantasm and uh, and Phantasm, of course, yeah. John Carpenter. Phantasm more than anything, Carpentober. Well, if you liked John Carpentober, and there's at least oh, four yeah. four of you, um, <laughs> stick around to the end mm-hmm. of the episode because we will be announcing a very big, well, announcement of what the fuck. <laughs> We're announcing we a great a big announcement. series. Yeah, uh, it, it, I, I'm very excited for it. I think you're going to be, ex- you, the audience, yeah. are going to be excited for it. Um, yeah, we'll I say more so. at the yeah. end of the episode. So please stay tuned. We got a mm-hmm. good series of films coming up. Yeah, and, and the spooky season is right around the corner. And right and around the we're corner, gonna, we're going to drive a hundred miles an hour right into it. Yeah. And explode in a blaze of spooky Keep glory. Keep saying things that would don't, would don't tip off, but I'm not going don't to. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. 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 All right. So, House by the Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, has you seen this before? Well, I said I hadn't, but then, mm-hmm. as I started it, I realized I was partially lying. I have seen part of it. You I've lie. seen the beginning. Um, you it was on Joe Bob. Oh. Uh, Did he do? When did, which season did he do this? I think season two or three. I don't remember. Okay. Eli Roth was the guest. 
Uh, cool. Who's yeah. a Massachusetts native? Sure. Uh, and this movie takes place in Massachusetts. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Massachusetts connection right off the bat? Yeah. Here? So this movie was filmed uh, not in New Whitby, Boston. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Doesn't exist. And also, you wouldn't call it New Whitby, Boston. It'd be New Whitby, <laughs> Massachusetts. It's almost anyway. like a bunch of Italians came up with that. <laughs> it reminds me of when I um, I tried to buy beer early in my LA stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a Maine license and uh, yeah. they're like, no, we need a state license. Yeah. Yeah. Maine, Maine's a state. They're like Maine, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's, oh, man. it's a state. <laughs> oh boy. There was something um, else. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I'll, mm-hmm. But there was something else during this movie. Hopefully I'll remember, but very similarly, I was sitting there and I was like, oh man, that's some, that's some, an Italian wrote this bullshit. And then I was like, am I a xenophobe? Is this... <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a line, actually, that I wrote down. Yeah. Maybe it's the same one I'm thinking of. Um, well, anyway, as I try to find that, I'll say... Yeah. yeah uh, so this movie was shot largely in uh, Concord... New, uh, not New Hampshire. There is a Concord, New Hampshire. Concord, Massachusetts. Now, is it um, is it usually Concord? Is that what con- people tend Concord to say? Is the way yeah. say it, yeah. They mispronounce it? <laughs> I say it like an asshole. Um, Concord, 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 Carlisle are like the two um, towns next to each other. Sister towns. Sister of. towns. I've been there many times, uh, and I shot with along with my co-director Adam Dio, who's from Carlisle and Concord. Went to like Concord High School, mm. and also our friends Rob, Rob, uh, Rob Wilson. Grew up oh in yeah, Concord. spent the weekend um, with Rob. Yeah, and we um, shot Yeti a Love Story in Concord, the original. Um, and I couldn't remember, <clears throat> you asked if uh, we shot on the Main Street, which is in this movie. I don't think so. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, we did shoot partially in Concord. So hey, we have a lot in common here. Yeah, you're you're a modern day Fulci. Um, oh, I, I remember what it is. It's um, at the very beginning when um, the like boyfriend's and girlfriend are like fooling around uh-huh. and, uh, she's like steve where are you i don't want to be put on restriction again <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what that's supposed to I, mean <laughs> i don't want to get grounded i think okay sure okay great that checks out um yeah so this was uh here we go ready que la via acanto al cimitero how's that sound does that sound all right sounded sexy all right there's some there's one italian listener who's listened to all three of these episodes and is just shaking their shaking head, their head. Yeah. dismay this fucking guy um uh, shot in 1981 mm-hmm. just like the beyond uh the production of this film started during post-production of the beyond mm-hmm. um in classic full cheap fashion uh once again written by dardano sacchetti uh, also, story by Elisa Briganti, who worked on The Beyond as well, uh, shot or lensed by <laughs> Sergio <laughs> Salvati, who shot The Beyond and City of the Living Dead. Um, new composer. Yeah, I noticed Wal- that. Yeah, Walter Rizzotti. Uh, and I do think, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a different approach to the score. Yeah. Uh, I found it uh, interesting. I did not dislike it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, so, yeah, these score the three score three movies have great scores. Yeah, definitely. These are 
And, and you know, it, it kind of does make me wonder. It's like, how many Italian horror movies had bad scores? Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, all pretty, they're all pretty much rip. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, budget of this one, I want to say, is a little bit less than The Beyond. They've got sense. it at 600 million lira. And hold on, I'm pulling the Beyond up again because I just want to check on this. And and because I, I know the Beyond was a little bit more than City of the Living Dead, uh, if I if I'm remembering correctly. We I think about so. Last week, let's see here. City of the Living Dead budget. Hey, just googling stuff while we're recording. <laughs> um, okay, here it is. Yeah, City of the Living Dead. Oh, that was the one that didn't have. Uh, available budget, but it was estimated, I think, at around the same as this, probably like um, 600 million lira, which I think we determined was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, half a million to 700, or, yeah, $750,000, yeah, yeah. something like that. And then, yeah, if I remember, the Beyond, uh, yeah, was about half a million dollars as well. This one. A little bit less, grossed 1.4 billion lira. Um, oh, okay, which lira, yeah, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is right in between Avengers Endgame <laughs> and, and Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weird that it didn't get on my radar until this no, week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, but no, it was uh, whatever that um, you know translates to which i've already uh, spent enough time looking stuff up uh, so i won't go ahead and do that too but it was his most successful film of the 80s oh um, wow yeah i, I think, can kind of see why yeah uh, at, at the end of the day i think i i mean i think this one more than the other two is more marketable yeah if that makes sense i think you're it, right it, it, it's more straightforward yeah yeah it definitely is um <clears throat> Returning star Catriona McCall here. Uh, credit is Catherine McCall, but it's the oh, same. I got confused by that. Then I didn't realize it was the same person. Oh yeah, it's the same woman. Um, plays the mother, right? Yeah, plays yeah. Uh, Laura, Laura? Yeah. Lucy, Lucy Boyle. Yeah. Why did I not recognize her? I don't oh, know. You're an idiot. I have face blindness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who did we? Is it Brad Pitt has face blindness? Is that did we all find that out? couple months is that ago. what it is i don't I th- remember i think he does i think oh. i think i think brad pitt has face blindness huh. um or perhaps he just was rude to too many people and then he that like, might be it it's a good excuse it's like i don't know I think he drank were. he drinks a lot so he probably just doesn't remember people yeah. well, he used to drink i think he's sober now what is it with fucking hot dudes being alcoholics right I mean, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, it's not. If you look, if you look like Brad Pitt, and you can, yeah. pull off drinking too much, go for it. <laughs> Pitt and Pitt and Ham, just like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh uh, yeah, getting my dick sucked all the time. I'm gonna get drunk. <laughs> Although apparently Pitt was like abusive to his children and to Ooh, Angelina Jolie. Okay, that's well. a, that's like the scuttlebutt that's coming out on Twitter now. Is that like there's uh. one particular flight where he lost it listen i mean i don't know if it's if it's a continued thing or Mm -hmm. if he just hit rock bottom you know Mm. i'm willing to give people who are his son's sober and in recovery a chance (laughs) his son calls what his son's named rock bottom (laughs) i'm trying to be like empathetic (laughs) 
to people with addiction. Who it couldn't. Snakes. It couldn't <laughs> let it go. It was, it was too good to oh, let pass. No. Uh, <laughs> too, too good to let pass. All right. Well, anyways, we're we're not here to talk about rock bottom Jolie Pitt. We're here to talk about <laughs> Lucio Fulci. So, um, the rest of the cast newbies. Uh, Paolo Malco is Doctor Norman Boyle. Uh, Ania Peroni is Anne, the babysitter who apparently isn't evil. <laughs> Dude, I have a note about that. We'll get yeah, to it. yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to it. it. She reminds uh, me of a character from the Beyond in that sense too. I I was like, this is the same thing. Um, <laughs> Paolo, whatever guy plays Norman, mm-hmm. to me looked like a cross between. Bradley Cooper and Donald Sutherland. Ooh, interesting. If they had a baby. He's got a great look. I'll he has say. a great look. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sylvia Colatini as uh, little ghost May Freudstein. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Freudstein is such a funny name. <laughs> the best part is reading this fucking this book that I've been reading that I'll sadly have to put down uh, uh. as we leave this series. But I like this author. Despite his somewhat liberal use of the R word, he's pretty funny because um, even though he writes in you know a fairly kind of academic way, he he's he's not averse to making the occasional joke or like in a very dry academic. Like I remember I said the thing about how it's like the like the author of the book posits that perhaps Fulci was just making this thing up. Yeah, I remember in the in the old episode. So in this one, he's um, oh shit, what was I gonna say? Uh, what was I saying? Freudstein. <laughs> Freudstein. Yes, yes. So, so he 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 quotes all these different um, like film scholars and critics that are talking about like Fulci's body of work and his influences, and they're like, yeah, it's like Freud. You know, the influences are clearly Freud and Doctor Frankenstein, and it's Freud because blah blah blah, and this and that. And it's like, and and the author's like, yeah, I think. Um, you know, in his very academic way, he's like, I think that, you know, he was just like, yeah, Freud's like psychological. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Frankenstein stuff is obvious. He's like, I don't know how much depth there is to the Freud stuff. I think it's just like, yeah, that's like related to psychology. Yeah, oh, totally. Um, is that? Do you have that book as a hard copy or is I, it digital? It is digital, but uh, perhaps I can. I'd like to check it I out. Could rip, I could rip it and get okay. it, get it to rip it for me. Okay. Um, uh, Dagmar Lassender as Laura. Great name. An incredible name. Dagmar. Um, it immediately jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, well, I guess Giovanni Danava is the guy under the Dr. Freudstein makeup. There's 12 other people in this movie, including Lucio Fulci in an extended cameo. Um, He's the yeah, prof- who was he? He's the professor at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Doing a little walk and talk, smoking his uh, ever-present pipe. Yep. Um, and uh, last but not least, little Giovanni Frezza as Bob Boyle. Bob Boyle. Um, Eric- oh, we- oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go I-, no, I was going to briefly interrupt you mm-hmm. with... Uh, Giampaolo Saccarola? Saccarola? Yeah, sure, sure. I recognize him. He's in The Beyond. He was Arthur in The Beyond. Oh, cool. The the maybe uh, the weird son of Margie or whatever her name is. Martha. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. The simpleton? Yes. Yes. Maybe her husband. 
Maybe her husband, maybe yeah. her son. Yeah, he's very knows. creepy looking. And unfortunately, I saw he passed away like yeah. 10 years after. This. Did he play a doofus in this one, too? Is he the weird, like, librarian? He, he's like the weird guy. guy. He's like, oh, you know, he yeah. he, he hung himself right there. <laughs> like That's that right. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He looked familiar to me, too, but I didn't put it together. You know what I did put together that's alarmingly niche? Uh-oh. Is so the the voice dub for Lucio Fulci's Professor oh. Mueller. Uh huh. I was like, this guy's voice sounds familiar, and I will say that I can I didn't pull what it was, but I was like, I know this voice. Why do I know this voice? And I go to this, you know, I had to do some digging just to find the guy who dubbed it because it's not just like listed in the IMDb credits. You can track it down; it's in there somewhere, but you have to sift through a lot of stuff. And the guy who who did this voice, his name is Edward Mannix, and he has a long resume of of this stuff, basically, of doing you know English dub, English language uh-huh. dubs of Italian movies and other foreign stuff, and a little bit of voiceover acting. And there was literally only one thing on his entire resume that I had ever seen, and it was exactly what I was thinking of. Wow. Which is he is a voice of a. Uh, you know, a, a supporting character who has a couple scenes in the English dub of Ninja Scroll. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But it was like, he has a very distinctive voice. And I was like, I know that guy's voice. And Ninja Scroll is a movie that I had on DVD in high school. And so it's like, oh, okay. I've seen I think it like I only saw it on times. like Sci-Fi Channel when it was, we would play, they play anime on like Saturday mornings. I'm I'm the world's most not most I mean some people don't know any anime at all I am like the most basic anime guy though where it's Same. like like Same. I love Cowboy Bebop because because it was fed to me via American television on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy Mitch, listener to the podcast, hey Mitch, what's up? Hope you're doing good. Maybe I'll see you in a week or two. Uh, I'll, I'll text you about that later. Um, but, uh, <laughs> let's wait but, for him to respond. Yeah. He, uh, I went down to Southern Illinois to Galesburg where he was attending Knox college. Uh, and, uh, I came to visit for a weekend and he got incredibly sick. So I ended up just hanging out with his roommates and watching oh, no. movies, getting very high mostly, but I got stoned out of my mind and saw Ninja Skull for the first time. I was like, this is incredible. Because uh, I just I never watch out. Yeah, it's a, there's it's a lot of fun. anime that I haven't seen because mm. I think anime has ruined pornography mm-hmm. and a lot of pop culture. Okay, anime I, ruined I, pop culture. There's too many people talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Still want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned uh, pornography before we move on. I should say that, trigger warning. There is a kind of gnarly sexual assault scene with a giant like stone troll man in the beginning of ninja scroll so watch out for that yeah the there is, is i do remember yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. I, think but, say, I think you're gonna say this movie like i think we watch different versions of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> some stuff some stuff happened uh were you gonna say anything else about why you don't like uh anime? uh no i do i mean because i i was like an anime dork for a mm-hmm. little bit when i was like in um like junior high uh-huh. yeah like junior high i, I would Initially, my first job was a paper. I had a paper route when I was like, you know, however old you could be, 12, 13. Sure. And I would save up my money to go to Suncoast Video and buy like anime. Nice. Um, and then I was really into it. And then I t- fell completely off. And now, like, mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'll dip my toe in it. I've watched like Death Note, which I thought was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at, at, the, at the urging of our friend Dave Jetty, uh, who I don't mm-hmm. think listens to the podcast, but if he does. Oh, yes. Yeah. Shout out, Dave. Uh, I watched all of uh, 
Neon Genesis Evangelion when it came Same. to Netflix. And but that I haven't was, watched the new ones, the new yeah. ones after this. You didn't watch Netflix. End of Evangelion? No. Oh, yeah, you I should. should. It's... It's a little less confusing than the actual end of the show, so... Yeah. Yeah. It was good, though. I mean, it's a great show, and I'll have to watch it again, because it is... Uh, yeah. Like, it's confusing. Details, <laughs> the details don't stick in my yeah. mind very well, especially mm-hmm. towards, like, the end. Uh, anyway, this we're going long on this segment, uh, okay. but I do... No, we're not really. I just... It's fine. But uh, I do want to say, sincerely, heartfelt mm. reaching out to our audience. If you have a recommendation for some anime I can watch that's mm-hmm. readily available. I don't want to have to like subscribe to Crunchyroll or something. <laughs> if it's all like on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, yeah. please let me know. I would love to. I, I There's a lot I haven't seen. I yeah. started watching Attack on Titan. I thought it was really cool, but for some reason I just can't sit my butt in the seat to, I don't know. I think there's a whole huh, anime hub on HBO Max. Um, oh. And then also I think the Adult Swim app has has a decent amount of stuff. I will say I know one show that I watched that I did like through a buddy of mine was uh, Rurouni Kenshin. Oh, never heard of it. Uh, it's like a sam or not samurai ninja. Is it a ninja thing? I think so. Samurai. I think it's samurai. It's a samurai thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's uh, yeah. Maybe people can back me up on that. There's like a million of them. Oh, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I- that one seems interesting. I see that mentioned a lot. Yeah, but you got to go find the old one from like the '90s. Not, I mean, I haven't watched any of the new stuff. Um, yeah, that was like my era of anime was '90s. Yeah. I ro- yeah. like loved like Ranma one half mm. and Apple was yeah. Apple Seed. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was that was another Mitch. That's another Mitch pull. Uh, he also introduced me to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and oh, cool. Not coincidentally, I was also very stoned when I watched that too. Um, <laughs> You guys want to guess what Mitch and I were doing for most of <laughs> six years? Uh, well, you gotta be stoned to write this uh, Gates of Hell trilogy. Am that's I right? right. That's right, my brother. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, this is uh, a Gates of Hell movie. Where was I? We got so far afield. Uh, yeah, we got so far off. We were talking about oh, um, it was Fulci's dub voice yeah oh yeah. yeah okay so we're talking about cast we're finished i think we're finished with the cast um the little so th- boy if you had anything that you wanted to say with the little boy that oh yeah i, 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 I cut I, you off oh yeah i was just gonna say um which movie <laughs> uh which movie do more people shout bob in this or what about bob <laughs> it's so gotta be the top bob. two of all time right <laughs> It's funny because Scott, who does our social media post, shout oh, out God. Scott, love you. Oh. Um, he had made a post about how we're doing this. He's like, for yeah. the sake of Bob. For the love of Bob. For the love of Bob. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll get that when I see the movie. Yeah. Sure like, did. Oh, yeah, sure sure did get it. Well done, Scott. Uh, as always. Um, he knows yeah. much more about these movies than we do. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing we went to school to learn how to... Um, just fucking riff into microphones. Um, <laughs> but uh, the script um, claim Fulci has all these quotes in interviews where it's like, oh yeah, this is another, I wanted to make a an HP Lovecraft movie, but this time like, you know, an original property. I'm like, I guess it's New England. Uh, yeah, New England is the only HP yeah. Lovecraft it's, it's not particularly Lovecraftian. What it is is pretty clearly inspired by the turn of the screw. 
by Henry James. He even has a Henry James quote at the end, which, by the way, is fake. (laughs) Oh, really? It doesn't make sense in context. Yeah, Yeah, Fulci wrote that uh, and then just falsely attributed it to Henry James. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, this guy. I wish I could. This is this is one of those guys, man. Like I wish I could have met this dude. He seems yeah very entertaining. I mean, uh, he just seems like a snake oil salesman in a yeah. lot of ways, but also like very yeah talented. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's both. Very, he's very yeah. talented. I think he's both. He's cool. He's he seems cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. Um. Also apparently borrowed a lot from a, I think it's a Spanish movie from like 1969 called uh, La Residencia or The House That Screamed in English. It's like a haunted boarding school thing. Um, Clearly some inspiration from Frankenstein, like we uh, talked about very briefly, but Dr. Freudstein Stein. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about what... Where where is the inspiration from Frankenstein? Because he's not like somebody's assembling a perfect body or something. Well, it's not a perfect body, but he is sort of like he doing wants the cells to. Yeah, he's yeah, doing living body, stealing stuff. body stuff and that yeah, sort of you're right, shit. You're right, you're right, you're he's right. got a lab and kind yeah. of you know. Anyways, that's I mean again, it's like not it's not a particularly artful you know uh, reference. Um, I think that yeah, so. Um, and I think, you know, just by virtue of being inspired by the turn of the screw, um, sort of unmistakably also borrows some elements from the innocence, uh, mm-hmm. which I would recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, and Myself I think he, included. oh, you should check it out. Yeah. It's six, on the list. Yeah. Yeah. 61. Um, that's a, uh, who, who was it? That the Jack Clayton did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's a movie that came out in pretty close proximity to The Haunting, mm-hmm. which gets a lot of like a lot more attention. But I watched them both uh, this past summer, and I would say that easily I th- I think The Innocence is a better haunted house movie. Yeah, um, not that The Haunting is bad, but yeah, it made a bigger impact on me. It's been on my list for a long time. I just. I don't know why I haven't seen it yet, but I will. No. I promise you. Check promise it out. You. Perhaps another inspiration from the Innocence anamorphic lensing, um, which this movie also has, which I think is maybe a change from the last two. Did you this something else that's interesting? Like I tried to look up a little bit of this. I didn't get too far down the rabbit hole. So another thing I'd be curious if anybody listening has any more insight into this. But this was a, a, a restoration. A fairly recent one. It looks really good. Looks really good. Um, and I wonder if there are practical reasons why it did. For as far as I can tell, the last two were not restored. Like especially the Beyond. I mean, the Beyond looks fine, but it, you can really tell that this is this is just a much higher quality print. You know. Yeah. So I wonder if they just couldn't get their hands on it or what because i read some stuff that was like there was supposed to be like a 4k blu-ray of um the beyond a couple years ago like right as covid was starting and maybe it just got shelved because of that but oh but yeah i'm i'm very curious um yeah i mean i bet it is they just couldn't get their hands on a decent print of it oh i want to briefly interrupt Mm -hmm. this broadcast to say 
uh, one of the movies I watched while my wife and son were out of town was I rewatched Martin, which I hadn't seen since I was in high school. I've never seen it. It's very good. It's on YouTube in full. You could just watch it there. I really like that movie. Um, but they're doing a, a 4K Blu-ray was supposed to come out much earlier, but then they found mm. like a director's cut, like a like a, yeah. a it was, which I think is like three hours long. So they're like doing another version. They're like they're like stop the presses. We're mm. not going to go forward with this. We're going to do it right. Yeah. So I'm really excited for this like new version of Martin that's going to come out. Cool. Anyway, that was it. Nice. I like it. Um, yeah. So, um, it, but, but yes, this is a 2k transfer that was made, I think in, in 2011, something like that. And it, it looks, I watched it on showtime. Did you watch it on shutter? Shutter. It looks good on shutter too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's the 2k transfer. I don't know why you would, not have that but yeah looks looks great um and it is one of those things where it started up i was like did they use it's like where the camera's better is this better is this like a cool stock and i was just like and then i looked i was like no it's just a like and it is an interesting thing to think about you know um the degradation of film and and, yeah and and there are things that we watch that nobody's ever seen the way it looked when it was new, yeah. you know. Oh, that's that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially with a lot of like the movies from the seventies, sixties, mm-hmm. like you, you kind of don't know how they really looked. Yeah, and and they might have looked, you know, very sharp. Like you, maybe more like modern day stuff than you would think. You know, yeah, because we get used to this old look. But that's one of the beautiful and also you know tricky things about celluloid is that it's you know it's it's physical it's chemical it can it degrades you know and the ironic thing now is you have people shooting on digital to look like celluloid Uh to look like something that maybe never existed until that person (laughs) that director saw it in a certain time and place you know wow you're yeah you're right it's a real ouroboros kind of (laughs) yeah situation um Let's see. I think, uh, you know, we covered most of the bases. Uh, it was shot in, as you mentioned, Concord, Massachusetts, also in Boston and New York City. So all location shooting, uh, except for same, same as the last two movies. Some of the interiors and special effects stuff were done in the studio in Rome. I wanted um, to ask you, yeah. um, for in terms of locations, there's one shot when uh, Norman is getting into a cab yeah. in the beginning of the movie. That I think is supposed to be in New York, but yeah. to me looked like when you're looking down from like where um, Arlington, mm-hmm. uh, the Emerson camp. I think yeah. it might be down Arlington Street. Okay, I'm not actually sure what that. And then Boston Commons is on the right hand side. Did that stick out to you as being New York or Boston? There are definitely shots driving in, with the car driving, where like there are some shots of it definitely in New York, and then there are mm-hmm. some shots where it's definitely in Boston. I think that's deliberate. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they shot that sidewalk scene. You're saying like the actual conversation like they he has it for yeah. in Boston. Like, yeah, they could have shot that in Boston, cheated for New York. Sure. It just looks like my remembrance of like yeah. that walking down that street. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there were definitely shots where I was like, I'm sure I've been on that street before. That looks so familiar. Yeah, yeah. um, great architecture. Just it's crazy to see those cities and then look at this fucking shithole we live in, uh, <laughs> dude. I was down in Southern California to, uh, like this weekend uh-huh. um, outside of Encinitas, San Marcos. Mm. And it's like, this is so pretty. Yeah. And so nice. The The weather is perfect. <laughs> what am I doing? 
It's only <laughs> two hours away, right? It's only two hours away. All and right. it's like very nice. Anyway. Maybe we can make that a, a goal if, if, if we can continue to work uh, a little more remotely sometimes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can make a company move down to Encinitas. I get would all, love that. Get all the friends together and be like, hey, let's all just buy houses in this little neighborhood. My friend Bree, she went to high school um, around there. I'm trying to remember which school she went to, but yeah, I spent some time down there. It's a great yeah. place. Great, great. So pretty. Beautiful, beautiful part of the state, the country. Yeah. Okay. Um, I probably forgot some shit, but uh, I feel like you guys have got enough information now. You know, you can look look up more if you didn't get enough. Yeah. Yeah. Find it. Do your do, do your, your own, own research. research. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and recap the movie. woman is in an abandoned house looking for her boyfriend. After she discovers his body stabbed with scissors, she is stabbed in the head with a French knife, and her body is dragged through a cellar door by an unknown assailant. <clears throat> I'm just going to interrupt once in a while. Sure. Early boobs in this movie. Do we have One any boobs in, in, in the other two? I don't think so. I, I, I also... I turned into just the world's biggest creep because it it happens so <laughs> soon and without even realizing it, just instinctually I went, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> like it was like the first yeah. thing on screen. I was like, oh yeah. yeah audibly. <laughs> and Kenna was like, what? From the other room? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> right. In New York City, Bob Boyle and his parents, Norman and Lucy Boyle, are moving into the same house. Norman's ex-colleague, Dr. Peterson, who murdered his mistress before committing suicide, was the previous owner. The Boyles are to stay there while Norman researches old houses. As his mother packs, Bob looks at a house's photograph and notices a girl in it. In New York, oh, sorry, in New Whitby, Boston, Bob waits in his parents' car while they collect the house keys. <clears throat> the girl from the photograph appears across the street. The girl, May Freudstein, whom only can, only Bob can see, warns him to stay away. In the real estate office, Mrs. Laura Gittleson is annoyed when her colleague hands the couple the Freudstein keys. She insists on calling it Oak Mansion and promises to find the Boyles, a babysitter. 
Um, End of movie. In the in the transition between uh, like when you see the little girl mm. in the window to the photograph, yeah, way too long. <laughs> She's standing there like doing that pose for a long time. Yes. Oak Mansion is in poor, a poor state of repair. The cellar door is locked and nailed shut. A woman arrives and introduces herself as Anne, the babysitter. That night, Norman hears noises and finds Anne unblocking the cellar door. The next day, Norman goes to the library to peru- sorry Jesus to peruse Peterson's materials. The chief librarian, Mister Wheatley, appears to recognize him, but Norman claims he is mistaken. That never really goes anywhere, does it? No, it it really doesn't, and it does seem like it's gonna be. Like I was curious. I wanted. Me too. I wanted to know. The assistant librarian Daniel Douglas then informs Norman that the Petersons conducted that Peterson conducted private research at the house. It's my he private studied- research. Research <laughs> for money. <laughs> Sorry. He studied records of the area's disappearances and other demographic data. May shows Bob a tombstone on the grounds marked Mary Freudstein and says she is not really buried there. Indoors, Lucy finds the tombstone of Jacob Tess Freudstein while sweeping the hallway. When Norman returns, he reassures her that some older houses have indoor tombs because of the hard, wintry ground. As a lifelong New Englander until I moved to Los Angeles, no. (laughs) I don't think that's a thing. Mm -mm. Norman opens the cellar door and walks down the stairs, only to be attacked by a bat which won't let go until he stabs it repeatedly. Spooked, the family drives down the real estate office and demands to be rehoused, but are told it will be a few more days before they can move. While the Boyles are at the hospital to treat Norman's injuries from the bat, Mrs. Gittleson Gittleson arrives at the house to tell them about it. (laughs) Get it together, Goslin. Jesus Christ, I'm just fucking mush-mouthing all over the place. Uh, arrives to tell them of a new property. Letting herself in, she stands over the Freudstein tombstone, which cracks apart, pinning her ankle. A figure emerges, stabs her to death with a fireplace poker, and drags her into the cellar. Lucy finds Anne cleaning a bloodstain on the kitchen floor the next morning. Anne eludes Lucy's questions about the stain. Over coffee, Norman tells Lucy that he has discovered that Freudstein has a Victorian surgeon who conducted illegal experiments. Hey, I bet you've had to elude a lot of questions about stains, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Norman must travel to New York to research Freudstein. On the way, Norman visits the library and finds an audio cassette of Peterson's, which documents Peterson's increasing madness and reveals what he discovered about Freudstein. Norman destroys the cassette by dropping it into a furnace pipe. Weird little contraption he drops into. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I guess. Is it a heater? It's a furnace pipe, apparently. But there's like flames coming out of the top of it, weren't yeah. there? Yeah. It seemed like, oh, you're, great. You're going to fucking smoke up the whole yeah. library with like a cassette tape plastic? Yeah. Also, just the choice to burning it. It's a little, I mean, it's like, hey, that's not, that's not yours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anne goes to the cellar looking for Bob in, uh, at the house and hears childlike sobbing sounds. 
Freudstein decapitates her after slashing her throat. Bob sees Anne's head and exits, screaming. Lucy returns to, returns to find Bob crying in his room, but refuses to believe Bob's account about Anne. But where is she then? That's my question. You don't believe the kid. Where is she? Yeah. She just left? That evening, Bob returns to the cellar looking for Anne, but gets locked in. Lucy hears Bob's cries and tries to open the cellar door. Norman returns and hacks a door with a hatchet when she cannot open it. The rotting right hand of Dr. Freudstein appears and restrains Bob against the door as the hatchet chops through it. One of Norman's axe blows breaks through the door, severs the ghoul's seemingly ordinary left hand, and he staggers backwards down the, le down the stairs. Norman and Lucy finally... <laughs> Oh boy. I'm having a tough time. Yeah. There's something about the way this one's written. That's it is. Like, there's some wonky stuff in there. I was reading it earlier and I was like, this is going to be fun to watch Eric fucking hack his way through this. Norman and Lucy finally get into the cellar, which contains several mutilated bodies, including Anne, Mrs. Gittleson, and the couple from the beginning. Surgical equipment and a slab. <laughs> Freud's scene is a living corpse with rotting flesh. Norman tells Lucy that, that, that the 150-year-old Freudstein lives by using his victim's parts to regenerate blood cells. Norman attacks Freudstein, but the ghoul twists the hatchet away. Grabbing a knife from the slab, Norman stabs Freudstein, causing rotten flesh and maggots to ooze out of his lab coat. Freudstein grabs Norman and rips open his throat. Lucy and Bob climb a ladder leading to the underside of the cracked tombstone. Lucy strains to shift the stone, but Freudstein grabs her and drags her down the stairs, killing her by ramming her head into the concrete floor. As Freudstein advances up the ladder, Bob strains to escape. As Freudstein grabs Bob's leg, he is suddenly pulled upwards by May. With May is her mother, Mary Freudstein, who tells them it's time to leave. Mrs. Freudstein leaves May and Bob down the wintry grove into an apparent ghost world. Is it an apparent ghost world? I didn't really pick up on that it was, detail. It was just sort of autumnal. It was yeah. It was just like they're just walking down the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. That is our recap, which was written by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, blood and guts check. Mike, you go first. What did you think about House by the Cemetery? Um, I think it's, uh, it's fun that it's a, um, it's a little different vibe than the other two. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's sort of archetypal haunted house movie, except mm -hmm. there's no ghosts. It's just a ghoulish doctor, apparently zombie doctor corpse man uh mm -hmm. I, don't, I still don't totally understand what was happening but yeah i'm not completely sure yeah. either um i think uh i think it was perhaps a little less confusing than the previous two films yes N i agree with that. i don't know that that's necessarily a strength but it it is it is a little bit easier to kind of follow what's going on. There's obviously still threads that just go completely unresolved or unexplored. And, and you know, so you'll be left with plenty of questions, no doubt. But but mm -hmm. it, it does follow a little bit more of a coherent narrative. Um, and I think that 
I think that the uh, there's some great effects work here. Some of my one or two of my favorite effects kills in this whole series. Um, yeah, that's some cool shit. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, not so much. A little more quality over quantity, perhaps. Um, I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's lacking a little bit in. Like there, there is, there's. It's almost like there's a compromise that happened because there's that sort of uh, dreamy, uh, ethereal, uh, creepy quality to the first two movies that I think there's less of here. Um, and so, even though this movie makes a little more sense, it's like that trade-off is that you know you're not getting as much of. It, it's, it's not quite as interesting. It's not. It's not quite as cool, maybe sure. as 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 the first two. So, so, but I, I, I mean, overall, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, my wife asked me as I was just finishing it, how was your movie? And I was like, it was, it was okay. It was, it was decent. Uh, it was better than all the leprechaun movies. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And then she was like, what about Piranha? And I was like, I think it was better than all the Piranha movies too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, was, it, I agree with yeah. that. So that's, that's, that's my, that's my review. Better than all the leprechaun and Piranha movies. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with the. Um, I think there's probably somebody should make a supercut of me saying I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, it's the danger but, when you make me go first, you know, because I'm gonna have good takes. So no, no but I, I I mostly agree. Um, I think my journey watching this movie was initially like, okay, this one's a little bit more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more straightforward. But also not. It's it's also sloppy in the ways the other ones are. Yeah. But like you give you, it's less charming in its like incomprehensibility. It's not getting like the cover from from that sort of charm and, and eeriness of the first two. It's like yeah. so it's easier to see the seams. But then once you get into the last like 10, 15 minutes, similar to the Beyond. Mm-hmm. I thought it really slapped and I thought like it got pretty scary actually. Yeah. There's a couple of moments where I audibly like was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. For, uh, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll get on those mm. um, in a bit, but so to like, to sum up my feelings, um, I do agree with, with you. That's like, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't leave it feeling as like effusive towards it, but yeah. also I think in some ways it's like, it's a little more straightforward. It's a little more solid. It's a little scarier, I think, in a lot of ways. I disagree but with that, but you, you really, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think so? it depends on what scares you. You know, it's, it's, it's. I'm not saying in a universal way. I'm just saying for me. Maybe it's more of yeah. like a tension thing, okay. like a scary. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, generally positive things, mm-hmm. uh, positive feelings about this one. Yeah. It. You know, and another thing too, and perhaps kind of to your to what you're saying about tension. Um, by no means is this jolly, but it, it, it does, it shares a little bit more of that DNA in terms of, it's just like people one by one getting knocked off by this one guy, Yes, you know? Um, and so there is more tension in some of those setups versus like in the other two movies, there's a lot more just like, what the fuck's going on? It's like, you know, this person's getting killed. I don't know how or why or even by whom, but they're definitely dying, you know? Um, with this, I think like he was trying. It seems like he was trying to go for some sort of classy, elevated horror, mm. like the Changeling or something. Sure, but like 
he can't overcome his trashy tendencies to like <laughs> show extreme violence. Yeah. Uh, and so then like you kind of get this this like mishmash of like a slow burn burn horror mixed with like very gory yeah. kills. Yeah. And it's like a kind of an interesting little mix that's like kind of works, kind of doesn't work. I don't know. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Um so going back to sort of the beginning of the movie for a second and just kind of going through the beats here like we mentioned first boobs as far as I can recall in the whole series so immediately you're getting a point from me there Um, the stuff with the the photos and uh, one one of the inspirations clearly for this movie that we haven't talked about yet has has to be The Shining um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely feels shining esque, and that's when. Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you, because that's when like um, the guy's like, "Oh, I've seen you before." Right. That's where I thought it was going. I, th- I thought it was like, "Oh, he's gonna kill his family." I think that's the most likely like genesis of that of that piece of dialogue. I think it's probably just something he liked and he lifted from The Shining. Right. Um. I definitely this whole intro with. Bob. Also, children aren't named Bob. Bob is like Bob is like getting yeah. a driver's license. It's like you turn sixteen, <laughs> and if you're Robbie or Bobby or Robert, you have the option to to become Bob. But there's no right, right. <laughs> it's it's like there's no little boy born born Bob. Yeah, it's like Herb. <laughs> it's just like a six year old Dick. <laughs> Dick. Yeah. Um. But anyways, yes, the whole Bob having like an imaginary friend who's like, don't go to this house. It's, you're going to die, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and then we even get like the axe through the door sequence yes. later yeah. on, you know, obviously. Which was actually one of the, one of the sequences I was talking about that really stressed me out because yeah. I think it's pretty effective when it happens. Yeah, that's a, all the stuff really, anything involving Bob in the basement uh, yes. in the latter third of the movie, I think was, is fairly strong. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the photo stuff too. Like her, her being in that old photo, it feels like shades of the the last shot of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like that is a conceit that I like is is like the use of photos or even films or or whatever it would be as sort of like these objects of power. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. And uh, and that's something I really loved about the ending of The Beyond that with the painting. And so, yeah, it kind of like starts almost where where the beyond ended, you know, with her yeah. seemingly sort of trapped in this in this photograph. That's a good catch. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, you know. Um, so then uh, we go through. We get all this New York City stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, now that you say mm-hmm. it, I didn't even truthfully didn't even think about the shining but now the whole setup yeah, is the shining it is it's completely the shining yeah, i didn't even think going about it. to a haunted house in another state for work basically yeah, for work yeah. exactly he has to like take care of this house mm-hmm. wow i'm a dummy <laughs> it's okay i mean it's also like you know he did a decent job it's not like one for one you know it's just like that that seems to be a strength of fulci's it's, it, it seems like he can borrow things but mm-hmm. put enough English on it that it's like, well, this, you know, it doesn't. You don't immediately watch it and go, oh, this is just a fucking rip off of that. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it feels it feels a little unique. Um, the mannequin scene. 
I was just about to bring up that scene. Yeah. yeah that's a very strange scene. Talk talk to me. So basically, May is walking down the street, Main Street in Concord. Concord. Um, <laughs> and she looks at a mannequin, and she severs the mannequin's head, and real blood comes out. Does she? It's not even her. It's like, it just it's happens. Like somebody... Yeah, it just happened. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. She doesn't. She's like sort of conjuring it or like witnessing. I don't know. It. She seems scared by it. I yeah. She's, I, I think she's, she's just witnessing it. Yeah. But also, it's like. And then you're like, what? Yeah. What the fuck? Is that a real mannequin? Did that actually happen? And then this is like a very. This feels very Fulci to me. That it's like she's like seeing this horrible thing take place, and there's no one else witnessing this scene, and uh-huh. it's like that little girl is a ghost. That little girl is imaginary. Yeah. So it's like she's already imaginary. What what is she seeing? Yeah. What what like she has her own like inner life as a ghost where she's like, "Oh, I'm seeing scary things." Yes. Like I'm it, a ghost being haunted by stuff. Yeah, and then not to not to move forward mm. too much, but then Anne is introduced. Yes. Same stuff. And it calls back, "Oh, it's Anne. That was Anne." Mm-hmm. Is the mannequin. Yeah. So then you're like, "Oh, I guess Anne is going to be part of this evil scheme right. she's one of the ghosts this is like the blind saying. girl in the beyond exactly yeah and then and it's just killed she's yeah. no she's actually just a weird babysitter she's got she's great so eyes <laughs> dude she's a i i think Anne's kind of a mega babe yeah uh the author of the book also makes a uh a, a very catty remark about how her it's like her ania peroni is her name and it's like uh Though I forget how he puts it exactly, but here, actually, here you keep talking. I'm gonna look it up because I have it right here. Okay, um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I was gonna say people in horror movies, in stories in general, like when they have to go to the real estate office to get the keys. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, we still haven't cleaned it out, so you'll have to do that. But it should be <laughs> fine and cozy. Like, there's always people having like, oh, you have to clean out the shitty house. Which, if you've ever bought a house, like, no, that's not how. It works. That's not how it works. <laughs> Maybe it worked back that that way back then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, here it is. I found the quote. So he says, "As for Ania Peroni, her stunning looks were not enough to make up for her limited acting." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. The whole time I'm like, oh, she's like creepy. She's doing something here. She's part of this overarching plot. It's like, oh no, she's not. She's not. You would be mistaken. But then again, yeah. you're watching a Fulci movie. You, there are no guarantees he will ever connect anything to anything else. Um, okay. What what, what notable moments? Uh, yeah. So then we do get the scene with Norman and the librarian. That literally has zero payoff whatsoever about, uh-huh. but it l- truly seems like it's setting up a big piece of plot architecture. It really is. It's like, oh, he's gonna kill his family. Yeah, you've been here before. You were here, blah blah blah, last year or whatever. And it's like that. I that had a daughter. Yeah. No, I have a son. It's like, oh, okay, May, the daughter, May. I was like, so, There's- so then I was like, is he supposed to be Peterson? Also, is that? Yeah, me too. Is That's that the idea? Too. But then, did P- Peterson had a daughter, right? Do we ever establish? I think that? Peterson had a daughter. I mean, Freudstein had a daughter. We know that. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you no, know. actually, the daughter's never mentioned. It's just the mistress and the wife that are killed. I don't know. Yeah. So, who knows? Thanks a lot, Fulci. Um, There's a really funny moment when uh, the real estate lady, Mrs. Gittleson, or yeah. whatever, drops him off at the house or like follows him to the house and she backs up over a tombstone. <laughs> gravestone. She's like, damn, damn tombstone. Damn gravestone. Yeah, it's like, I'm sure she'll be fine for the rest of this movie. 
there'll be no there'll be no paying for that um so the big kills uh obviously the first one step uh but then is she is she the next big kill in the movie mrs gittleson uh Wow, we already gone on the body count? Jeez. No, no, I'm just Um No the two the couple in the front, um the couple in the Yeah, she's like the first big kill after the initial yeah. couple mm-hmm. is killed. Yeah, so that's why that, so so that's a cool sequence, definitely. It is. Um, yeah, that the special effects on that one is, are crazy. She gets like stabbed in the neck with a, it's a gusher a poker. Yeah, it's a gusher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand why her eyes fucked up when he's dragging her because. Thank you for asking, Eric. Um, this was uh, a scene that was cut down uh, per request of the ratings board, um, but supposedly Fulci ultimately was okay with it because he decided that the stuff that they had to cut, the special effects work, wasn't very good, and that was a gouging of her eyes. Um, okay. Which again with the eyes, he loves those eyes. He's an he's an <laughs> ocular enthusiast. Um, it's that that's gotta be from something right somebody somebody who's into Popular eye no i made that up but somebody who's into eye stuff you know like uh, Ew. yeah mike i can't even imagine you sicko <laughs> i think i even said this last week i was like for Probably. yeah i think i said for you eye guys out there <laughs> anyways yeah some sort of uh dark universe tarantino it's just like yeah open that eyelid do you know who ann reminded me of who julia fox she looks like Julia Fox. <laughs> Julia Fox is pretty funny. She's somebody on Twitter is like no no bigger glow down than Julia <laughs> Fox. <laughs> yeah, sort of a yeah. Best if you don't talk, just uh, just smile or don't smile yeah. really. Smize. Um, it's more her strength. Uh, okay, so Mrs. Gittleson bites it. And then, um, who's next? We got, um... We got that bat attack. The bat attack? The bat attack's okay. fucking crazy. It's crazy? This, to me, is maybe... I don't want to say the low point of the movie, but, th- like, when I think of these three movies, and then I'm like, how... Like, it's not prestige, but it's like, this takes me out of the horror yeah, of it. Yeah, like the like, most Ed Wood yeah, of Yeah, very much so, yeah. <laughs> There's so much bat squeaking and yeah, the bat looks like shit. <laughs> it's blo- so bloody, so bloody, so much blood is coming from that bat to the point where I was like, "Is this bat a demon? Is this bat like, sure a ghost or what? What the fuck is yeah. happening with this bat?" Turns out it's a bat. Yeah, it's just a bat. <laughs> I think it's a it's bat. Just a pissed off bat. Suicidal. From hell. Yeah. There's no gates of hell that opened, and this bat <laughs> came out of. It's just a bat suicide bomber. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this is this is one similar to a couple other sequences throughout this series where I'm just like, I wonder if the situation is that, like, is is this poor put upon editor Vincenzo Tomasi, who I think edited all these movies, does he like cut some some sort of fleet, uh, you know, well well paced version of these death scenes, and then Fulci comes in, and he's like, no, 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 we shot four times more footage than that. Put it back. We gotta in. see it. Yeah, yeah. And then you just get fully three minutes of squawking, bleeding bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the kills go on so so long mm-hmm. in all of these movies, yeah. not just this one. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so I, I around this time I wrote Anne looks like she's always about or Anna, whatever her name is. Anne, yeah. Always looks like she's about to puke. <laughs> she just like looks nauseous. That's called acting, Eric. <laughs> she doesn't um, actually have to puke. The kid calls Curious George Yogi. Did you pick up? On <laughs> I did not. I missed that. <laughs> he picks up like a Curious George uh, plushie, and he's like, "Come on, Yogi." <laughs> <laughs> Old dork. Um, also, this is like this is the period of the movie where we get a lot of the information about Freudstein. Yeah, and I feel like it's. Uh, I'm. I'll take some. I'll take a little bit of responsibility. I pulled an Eric here. During this part of the movie, I was perhaps a little distracted. Sure. Um, as as I told Eric via text, I was doing some double duty. I try not to do this, but I was doing some of my research on the movie while I was watching the movie. Mm. Uh, and I will say that, like, I basically had to use the Wikipedia to fill in the blanks of all of the Freudstein information that I missed in this in this kind of series well, of scenes. Can, can I tell you something? Yeah. Like, I was paying attention. Uh-huh. I had headphones on, sitting at my computer, watching well. about three feet away from mm-hmm. myself, my face, and I still missed a lot of it. <laughs> it didn't really penetrate the old okay. dome. Really. <laughs> Is this another case of the Wikipedia synopsis doing a lot of heavy lifting? I movie? think there is part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think maybe, maybe. But I think a lot of the information is said. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really like resonate i don't know it just didn't like i said didn't really penetrate into the soil of my brain. <laughs> it's foul this 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 land is fallow um your brain um there's some description i i heard of the book annihilation mm-hmm. which we actually saw the movie together yeah um the book uh is written in a very interesting way which kind of is, is like thematically it seems thematically fitting. And somebody wrote that it's like the words are like oil on your brain. Hmm. It just runs over it and nothing seeps in. And that's the way I felt with this movie in a lot of ways. <laughs> this movie is like water on a duck's back. Um, yeah. <laughs> something we, it, this is right around where we get that audio cassette scene that we were talking about. And I, I had to go to the release dates because this scene to me reminded me so much of the evil dead um Uh turns out this movie came out uh like two months earlier so i think it seems impossible that one could have borrowed from the other yeah some parallel thinking yeah but definitely like the narration uh from the audio cassette over the you know sort of montage scenes of 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 stuff that happened very effective this to me was maybe one of the spookiest parts of the movie and, yeah i think so and there's some pretty gnarly uh dead kid stuff too yeah when you uh, when you actually see like the inside mm. of the the lab yeah. all the body parts stuff that's pretty gruesome yeah and the dead kid thing like for once in Fulci's life, he's mm. tasteful about it. I guess tasteful is in quotes because he just pans over to the dead body of the kid and there's like actual organs yeah. you can see inside mm-hmm. of it and it cuts quickly. It doesn't it does. linger too long on it. You still have enough time to see its fucked up see face if is. you want yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Also, I uh, later in the climax, we get Bob, poor child actor Bob, uh, is like in the basement surrounded by similar, if not the exact same prosthetic, uh, yeah. like sort of dismembered torso. Oh yeah. There's some zoom in on yeah. tits on like dismembered tits. 
Jesus Christ. Uh, look for our next podcast, Dismembered Tits. Um, but uh, I, 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 it was in that moment that I was like thinking about the whole movie. And I was like, yeah, usually when people do this stuff with child actors, they like fake it with cuts so that the kids aren't actually. And it's like, sure. no, this kid is definitely there just. Is. No way yeah. they did that. No, I mean, there's a bunch of wide shots where it's like, yeah, he's just getting chased around by the fucking Freudstein oh. monster and staring at real animal organs inside a <laughs> fake ch- fake child's torso. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but I'm sure stop and shop represent. Yeah. I wanted to say. Oh yeah, on the on the on the grocery bags, it's a stop and shop. I miss that. I'm gonna be at stop and shop in in 36 hours. Oh hell yeah! I'd literally, exactly. like, I'm going. I know which stop and shop I'm going to go to 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 get in, groceries. Uh, Masunic? No, it's going to be uh, in uh, uh, North Kingston, Rhode Island. Oh the, no, it's Matunic. Matunic? Pretty sure I know. I know exit you're getting off at. Hold on, let's see here. Yeah, look at it. All right. <laughs> you got a vamp while I'm googling stop and um, shops. So once the, once Bob's in the basement. I thought the eyes, although they looked fake, were scary. The initial like un- like the eyes lighting up scared me. Like I was mm. actually got like a little jump scare from it. Yeah, that was good stuff. It's actually Narragansett. Narragansett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right, right off right off uh, <laughs> Highway One. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I go to the one in the tunic. Okay, you go to the one in the tunic. Yeah, this is next a, to a, a, a Marshalls. This is a good stop and shop. It's right around the corner from a, a really fun bar restaurant called Poncho O'Malley's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have great wings, really, really good wings. Uh, oh, really? And a very funny name. Um, I hope they're still open post pandemic. Poncho O'Malley's in Mariner Square. I yeah, was they're still there in Narragansett. Yeah. You, you got married in Narragansett? Mm hmm. Gansett, yeah, shitty beer. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, there's they had whatever. Oh, fuck it. God damn it. <laughs> there's one with a lobster on the can that I think was pretty good. That's the thing. They're more fun than they are good. Yeah. Um, cellar. So the whole sequence with like Bob at the cellar door mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I was like. Oh shit! Here we go. Mm-hmm. We're really kicking off high gear. It, and then like. Uh, Norm is like trying to chop through the door to get Bob out of there. It's like coming on either side of his face. A little bit of a repeat yep. from the um, the casket stuff the- in City of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. but still, it's like it being a child made it yeah. even crazier. Yeah, and this is also sort of the shining nod too. Yes. that I was talking about earlier. And then once you see the monster, like the Doctor Freud mm. scene, it looks like shit. <laughs> It looks like an app, like one of those dried up apple yeah. witches. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. It's uh, like a shrunken head, sort of yeah, blown yeah. up. Yeah, his face stuff not good. But you know what? What did work for me about Freudstein? And I wonder Tell me. for you, the Probably. the maggot shit Dude. that spews out of his torso. That was one of the things I like exclaimed. Yeah. Like I was like, oh yeah, what I, it's yep. fucking gross. You and me both. I was in my living room by myself, and I went, oh. <laughs> yeah it is really effective and disgusting <laughs> holy shit it looks like shit pouring yeah. out of him filled with maggots it looks like this. he's shitting from the side of his his torso and it's yeah. shit infused with thousands of maggots um a lot of maggots in these movies yeah fulci's got his thing he's a maggot man he's an eye guy 
He's a maggot man. He's, a, he's not a maga man. No, he's a maggot man. Thank God. No, I was very. I have a BuzzFeed hat from when I worked there. Oh yeah, pre pre Trump election, and those BuzzFeed hats were red with a white arrow on the top. So it's like yes, the coloration somewhat similar to a Make America Great Again hat. And I have a next door neighbor who seems like a very sweet, nice guy. Um, a retired, lives with his wife. Uh, you know, they're uh, older Mexican couple with a bunch of kids. Super perfect neighbors, right? I was getting out of my car yesterday with Kenda, and I'm oh, wearing no. the BuzzFeed hat. And he just goes, hey, I like your hat. And I was like, yeah, it's BuzzFeed. And he just kind of looked confused. And then went inside with his wife. And Ken and I were both like, oh, fuck. I hope he didn't think this is a MAGA. <laughs> oh, wow. You think maybe he's a MAGA guy? We don't know. You know, who maybe. can say? It would feel so bad if he, like, listens to this podcast. And he's like, Mike, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would have known from, like, episode one that you're yeah, not a MAGA, true. MAGA dude. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I thought the mom getting killed was a little confusing. Yeah, there's nothing. I rewound it. She just gets she dragged was... down the stairs and then she's dead, right? And then she's dead, yeah. yeah. Dead? And then the end. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Norman gets his throat ripped out. That's okay. It's a That's little okay. sloppy as far as uh, throat rips go. Um, yeah. You know. Oh, we didn't really say Anne getting her throat slashed was pretty good. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. And then eventually she gets decapitated. Decapitated, yeah. Like her mannequin doppelganger. Yeah, and that all comes full yeah. circle, and you're like, oh, yes, of right. course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, this final escape, uh, Bob getting through the tombstone slab is uh, fairly tense, I guess. But uh, how do you feel about like the big end, like the uh, the May and, and, and Mary Freudstein? I mean, I like May rescuing him. Mm-hmm. That makes some sort of sense. Yeah. But then, like, Mary taking him to maybe the afterlife, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. That was just like, okay, that's just another thing. Okay. Maybe I'm doing too much work for the movie. But this is how I interpreted it, and I did enjoy it. That it's like, essentially, the way I read this is like, Bob does not escape from Freudstein. He, sure. He, he's, he is dead. And now he is joining Ghost May and Ghost May's mom yeah. in the afterworld of of this haunted house. Basically. I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I think that I could I, I am on board with that read. Yeah. It, but, I mean it's a very fulchy thing where it's just like it would be very easy to just slightly like st- suggest that just a little bit more little so bit that more, people yeah. aren't just like baffled. What? You know? Not as confusing as the ending of City of the Living Dead. <laughs> no. JoJo or John John running up camera. <laughs> Little John John. Yeah. Okay. So we did All it. Right. We, we made we it. We made it. it through to the end. Do you have any other notes? Any other things you wanted to? Um... No, I, I was pretty good about covering them as we uh, went went on. Okay. Killer. All right, so for um, the kill count, we got Steve, who's all fucked up um, <laughs> on the back of the door, sort of like Halloween, but his brain's exposed mm-hmm. and he has a fucking French knife. French, <laughs> a classic <laughs> French through, knife. Yeah, yeah, through his chest. Um, and then that girl gets her head stabbed through. The knife comes out of her mouth. Mrs. Gittleson gets, her, gets run through with a poker 
through the chest and neck. Really bloody. Um, I guess we should throw the bat in there. The bat gets... Yeah, that's a big effect set piece. Yeah, and the bat yeah. does die. Uh, t- um, and gets her throat slit and then eventually decapitated, although that part's off screen. Norm Norman gets his throat ripped out and then Mom just kind of dies. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see. Yeah. Um, I know what I want to say for mine. I think we're probably in agreement here. I think so. Especially hearing them all recounted again. I said at the top that it was like a couple uh, kill scenes that were like tops in the series, but now I'm realizing I think it's just one. But yeah, but it is that one is 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 pretty pretty great. So you tell people what it is, and, and I'd like to expound on why I like it so much a little bit. More. Yeah, Mrs. Gittleson getting destroyed by that fire poker, and then the yeah. spe- specifically the stab through the neck. Yes, the next stab, the poker is removed, and then we have a real geyser of blood and i'm trying to remember there's another there's another special effect in a movie that this reminded me of it was very effective in terms of how the blood spurts at first and then Mm -hmm. the spurt sort of recedes but the blood keeps coming out but then the blood sort of cascades or like spills out as opposed to like shooting out uh the blood is the perfect color and very close to perfect texture this is this is not dario argento blood this is like this is the right. real deal. This is like this they, isn't like melted red crayons. Yeah, yeah. This is like they got the dark coloration right. It's the right amount mm-hmm. of opaque. Um, and yeah, that's Spurton, man. I I watched this and I was like, this is great. I was like, this might be like it's maybe not the most creative thing he did in this series, but I think you know, kudos to our guy Troni who did Troll Two. Uh, mm-hmm. Same same effects guy here, but I mean, I think this is the best. Like, this is the most technically impressive work that he did in this whole series. I think so too. It's really really cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Then moving on to moments that didn't age well. I didn't really have one for this. There's like kind of like a dismissive thing that um, you know, the the father does with the wife. It's like, have you been taking your pills? <laughs> Like that, that thought was going to go sound somewhere. hysterical. Yeah, um, but like it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, did you have anything? I did not have anything. Um, no. And and I do think that um, I have a proposal. Sure. Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna take a week off after this, and then we're gonna sure. start a new very exciting series that's gonna rewrite the rules a little bit. And I know we've been teasing the idea of shaking some things up. So I want to I want to formally propose something that I think you will not be against, which is I would like to sort of graduate things that didn't age well to a sort of uh, professor emeritus type status, where as opposed sure. to being a default part of every episode, we bring it up yeah. when it, when it's appropriate when the opportunity presents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I think that's a good case. Also, mm-hmm. something I would like to discuss with you off yeah. the air: the John Carpenter fear meter. Uh huh. You just want to? Um, do you want a new meter? Do you want to ditch the idea of doing fear evaluations? I don't know. Yeah, it's like because sometimes these movies aren't scary, but that mm. doesn't make them bad. Sure. And then sometimes these movies are very unscary and bad. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like it's not really a demarcation of sure. quality. You know what I mean? You're right. 
Yeah. Um, well, you know what, listeners? We are taking a week off uh, in between records. So if you hear this and, and you have any suggestions for how we might revise that, or if you have suggestions for replacement uh, evaluations at the end of the of the movies, uh, you know, we're all yeah. ears. We'd love to hear them. And, and eyes. And um, what's the other thing that he's into? <laughs> Yeah, is, um, um, uh, uh, maggots. We're all maggots. ears and eyes yeah. and maggots over here. <laughs> um, on the John Carpenter fear meter, I, I'm going to propose this one is a 7.5. I think the stuff with Bob at the end was legitimately because I think we've said the Beyond mm. and uh, and uh, mm-hmm. the others were like sevens, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the, you know what? Uh, let's say seven. I, I'm going to go seven. Okay, I um. I think this is probably not a surprise because we sort of broached this a little bit earlier. I, I found this less less scary. Um, hmm. and Maybe you know, it's the child in danger stuff that affected Yeah, me. I don't give a shit about these kids. Yeah. I don't have any of my own. Um, as soon as you have a kid, though, you're going to become a parenting expert. I can feel it already. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I just go, I, I, I parent from the heart. You know? Yeah. Uh, I ain't got time for uh, your your manuals and your books. <laughs> um. I, uh, but you know, we always, as we're, we may be retiring the Carpenter fear meter anyways, uh, you know, I feel like this is one where we always try to reach a consensus, but Hey, maybe for the last one, we'll just say you can, you call it a seven, I'll call it a five. And you know, you guys at home can make up your own minds. I think that's actually the better way to approach this. Yeah. Is each our own individual feelings on it. We don't have to reach a consensus. Okay. Yeah. Cause we don't reach a consensus on whether or not we wed, bet, or behead this You're movie. Right. You're right. I will go first. Okay. Um, I think uh, f- for me, this one is a little bit more of a slow burn. And because of that, sort of loses a lot of what I found so charming about the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't say it is a terrible movie at, by any stretch of the imagination. I still had a ton of fun. I think the soundtrack is great. I think the special effects largely are very good, except for some yeah. bats thrown in there mm-hmm. in uh, maybe the Freudstein monster. Um, but I, I, on one level, I think the more straight-ahead nature of this one is to its detriment that it can't even simply pay off what it sets up. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, if this one's more straight-ahead. Give me some payoff with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Why is Anne creepy? Right. Why do people recognize um, Norman? Yeah. Doesn't really do that. Still kind of. So that makes me think the whole thing in general is like, oh, you're just fucking making this shit up right. as you go along, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so for that case, because of that, I'm going to give this one a bed. Not as strongly recommended as the other two. Yeah. Um, which might make our next segment a little more boring. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll move through it quickly, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, uh, we may not require consensus, but in this case, uh, we have it. Um, <laughs> there's got to be some sort of consent consensus joke. To yeah, it's a, I think you're going to yeah. say consent for yeah. a second. <laughs> we do we, require We consent. do require consent. We do not require <laughs> consensus. Um you you really you took the words out of my mouth. I think if if I could put a fine point on it, this movie is lacking some of the otherworldly qualities of the first two. 
mm-hmm. that help spackle over the uh, the the holes in the facade and and I think it does sort of lay bare to a certain degree the idea that that Fulci is winging it uh, yeah. a lot of the time and he does so masterfully. I watching yeah. this series, it's like if this guy is like just fucking you know shitting this stuff out, he does a hell of a job at it. Um, and I want to watch more Fulci movies. Mm-hmm. Like this really solidified for me. It's like, oh, I have to watch more. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think I think I, exactly like you said. It's like we talked about this with the Beyond. It's like there are these little pieces of connective tissue just in terms of storytelling of of like on the screen, where it's like, you know, it, it doesn't. It could make more sense, and I think it could be make for a stronger narrative. And then a defender of Fulci, or perhaps defending himself he might say well it's you know it's uh it's sort of surreal and otherworldly and it's supposed to be kind of uh creepy and and it's like okay i mean i guess you could use that as a defense but then you take that away from this movie largely and the same problems are still there yeah and i think you you start to realize that it's like yeah this is kind of a shortcoming that it's like again i don't know how many times during this series i said either cohesive or coherent but um you know he i think he just sort of lacks in terms of uh, uh executing either of those uh uh yeah. adjectives um i mean the guy's putting out three movies a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's got uh, some you got to cut corners somewhere he's that project management triangle is you know the it, the fast cheap good and in that way this movie is like pretty cool yeah it's like oh he made like three movies within 2 years and this is the one that's some of the more straightforward, mm-hmm. like, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I mean, I, to his credit, like we we're saying, like I was saying, this is better than the totality of the entire Leprechaun series. This absolutely his third movie of 1981. Um, so yeah, it's a hundred percent. I think it's a bed. It's not, it's not the one that I would send people to go watch, but it's totally worth watching. Um, so that's, there you have it. There you have it. I agree with you. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to rank the movies in this series. Okay. Okay, we're back. Mike, let's talk about the totality of this series. You want to give our viewers a little brief rundown on sure. uh, these movies? Sure. Oh, I just, before I forget, I came up with another superlative, but I'll spring it on you in the moment. 
Oh, okay. do we do superlatives first, actually? Didn't we get confused about this last time we did it? I think we've done it both ways, and I think, yes, I've been confused about it. I think this is a better place to do the rundown. Okay. Um, because the superlatives then can be given in the context of the whole series. Yeah. So however we used to do it, let's do it this way now. We're doing it this way now. Okay, so we start uh, in 1980 with City of the Living Dead, directed by Lucio Fulci, um, <laughs> written by Dardano Sacchetti. Mm-hmm. Um Shot by Sergio Salvati and edited by Vincenzo Tomasi. <laughs> so, this one is about the city of the living dead. Just kidding. It is not about a city of the living dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Um, what the fuck even happened in this movie? <laughs> uh, is it the town of Ipswich? Uh, Dunwich. A, the Dun- Dunwich. As, as in the Dunwich yeah, horror. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. psychic gets a vision of the priest, priest killing himself, killed which himself. opens the gates to hell. Yeah. And then she is dead, but she's not really dead. Reporter, we never actually see a gate to hell, right? Or do we kind of get into the cave at the bottom? At the, yeah, at the end, we get into that. There's no, there's no gate. Is um, it a reporter? A reporter and her go to Dunwich to yeah. investigate. And then like, mm-hmm. This is the one where whoever you think the protagonist of this movie is dies every 20 minutes. And you're like, yeah, yeah. wait, fuck, who is this movie about? <laughs> um, and it's got the bloody eye stuff. Um, next one is 1981's The Beyond, uh, directed by Lucio Fulci, mm-hmm. r- written by Dardano Sacchetti, uh, shot by Sergio Salvati and edited by Vincenzo Tomasi. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. This is the one where they go beyond. Uh, so this is if you're like a kind of Mountain Dew extreme guy, this yeah, is the one for the you. Extreme one. They go. They go way beyond. <laughs> um, this is the one. This one's more straightforward in concept, at least. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, lady inherits a spooky old New Orleans mansion where an artist who was maybe guarding a gate to hell. Hard yeah, to I say. Yeah, he was guarding a gate to hell. Yeah, it's a warlock. Yeah, he's a warlock. He gets murdered by some townies, uh, fucking townies, you know. <laughs> hey, guy. <laughs> oh, bro. More townies in this. Hey, bro. What are you fuck? You think you're doing? Guys. Um. So uh, and then yeah, there's uh, the basement's flooded and it's full of evil, and it ends uh, with uh, them uh, ending up in hell. Yeah, and yeah. there's like a brief period which is. It, where it is a Zor, uh, Zorbergero, <laughs> John, uh, Jesus Jeez. Christ, <laughs> He's George done. Romero. Eric's brain is, is baked inside his skull. Very um, All right. And then finally, the movie we just covered, The House by the Cemetery, 1981, directed by Lucio Fulci, written by Dardano Sacchetti, shot by Sergio Salvati, and edited by Vincenzo Tomasi. Um this one is about uh, a haunted house that's not really haunted. It's uh, inhabited by uh, a 150-year-old scientist who's murdering children. Wait, is this where Adrenochrome came from, do you think? Yeah, this is. This is yeah. uh, the Hollywood elite. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is it's a Jewish movie producer. Um, that's... <laughs> All right. Superlatives. Superlatives. First up. Mm-hmm. What would you like to do first? Um, do, uh, yeah, first up, let's do best kill. We were just talking about kills. Best let's kill. keep let's keep it going. We just talked about a great one uh, in House by the Cemetery. For your money, Eric, what is the best kill in this whole series? Uh, not to be a basic bitch about mm-hmm. this series, but I do think the lady 
puking up her internal organs in City <laughs> of the Living Dead yeah. is a kill that's going to just stick with you perhaps for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it, it looks crazy. It doesn't, it's not the most effective looking, mm-hmm. you know, like you can tell it's a fake head at some point. Sure. Yeah. It starts as a real head. But it is so disturbing and strange and weird. I think it perfectly encapsulates this entire series. Yeah, and is a real, uh, it's a real statement. Sure. What um, about you? I think in my in my heart, this would probably be a tie at best with uh, mm-hmm. with the one you've just outlined, which I do think is incredible. But uh, I think almost equally uh, impressive and interesting. I think is a big part of it. Detailed, multi-stage. I'm going to go with the towny murder of Schweik at the beginning oh, yeah, of the yeah. Beyond um, between an incredibly violent, uh, essentially crucifixion, um, and then his face being melted off with lye. Lye, yeah. Um, and it's very moody and black and white, and uh, and it's very cool. And it, I think it really sets the tone for that this is going to be a fucked up movie. Because the other thing is, The Beyond was the first full chi- uh, first movie in this trilogy that I ever saw, and that's in the first five minutes. So it yeah. really mm-hmm. sets the tone. Um, I, I yeah. want to give a couple honor, honorable mentions to mm-hmm. the killing of Mrs. Gittleson, yep. whatever her name is in this for, in this movie. Absolutely, very good. Mm-hmm. And also the the drill through the head that Bob gets in, in City of the Living Dead <laughs> is oh, yeah. so out of left field. It yeah. does not pertain to the plot whatsoever. Yeah, uh, but is really gross and cool. Yeah, and I think if you had to round out a top five, I might throw in the uh, the the. Is Dicky the name of the wolf? Is that? Am I making that up? Is that the from something of, else? A wolf? The dog? The dog that that rips the blind lady's throat out? Oh yes, Dicky. No, no, you're right. Yeah. It is Dicky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this series has Fulci is, if nothing, great at gore. Yeah, like, definitely superb gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's your thing, okay. Moving on. <laughs> Best performance by a leading actress. Hmm. Hmm. And this is this is just we're we're it's for the actress, not the character, right? Let's see actress, can, not the character. It's like yeah. who yeah, best yeah, yeah. best leading actress in best a film. Leading. Hmm. Um. Okay, I think I can go. Okay. I'm gonna say Catriona McCall. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say her too. Yeah, I just she's think in she, all three of them. She's she definitely in all of them. she brings a lot of herself. To these roles, yeah. um, you can definitely tell the difference between the roles. It's definitely her, yeah. In definitely all, her in all of these movies, um, she is the lead actress. Very, and good. she she does an incredible job of being the lead actress. Very, um, very good. I agree. Okay, great. Good. Congratulations. Talk. Good talk. You you can accept your award <laughs> if you are still amongst the living, <laughs> and it seems that you yeah. are. Yes, yeah, you are. Right. You're in your sixties. Uh, Hit me up. Uh, okay, what was the other sort of serious one we came up with? Strangest local man. Never mind, not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I said, never mind, not that serious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this uh, this series has no shortage of weird locals. Yeah. Uh, sometimes played by the same guy. Yeah. Uh, we got like Douglas. What's his name? Douglas. Daniel Douglas in this one? Yeah, it's uh, Michael Douglas's dumb brother, right? <laughs> and uh, the second one we got Arthur, and also I would I would probably round in 
put in uh, Joe the Plumber. In that. I don't know. Joe the Plumber seems like a guy who stumbled out of a porno movie to me. Yeah, Joe the Plumber <laughs> fucks. I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think, you're right. I think he has fucked. What's her face? The uh... Martha? Yeah, Martha. I think it's Martha. Yeah, yeah. I think Joe and Martha, there's history there for sure. For um, my yeah. money, though. Who is it? There's no better local weirdo than the somehow beloved sexual pervert Bob <laughs> from the first movie, City of the Living Dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's just got a nice, he's got a nice face. He know? did some vague stuff that uh, everybody in the town hates him for, except <laughs> for the young women. They All love the young him. women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't get enough. <laughs> Man. Oh, to be Bob. <laughs> except for when he gets killed with a yeah, drill in his the, head. The drill yeah. to be a simpleton with a self-inflating blow-up doll. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, ugh. okay. You know, honorable mention to uh, to Larry. Um, Who is Larry? <laughs> he's, he's another he's the, simpleton. Yeah, he's the simpleton from uh, from from the Beyond, right? Is that Larry? I think it's or Arthur. It? Arthur, sorry, Arthur. Yes. Yeah. Simpleton Arthur from the Beyond. My mistake. Uh, honorable mention, but the correct answer is Bob. Um, okay, and then one final category, Eric, that I came up with on the fly, but I want to get your take on. Best gate to hell. Oh. Well, clearly the one from the beyond. I think that is the best gate, for, gate to hell. But what is it? Uh, I guess it's that sewer, like the underground. The underground? Yeah, right. Okay. Is it really a gate to hell? <laughs> I mean, they're in the painting. The yeah, end. they they got in there, but the, the gate in there was just a door in the hospital, right? Um, yeah, that was huh. sort of yeah. I'm like, at no point in the series did we ever actually see a gate to hell. Yeah, there was no actual gate into mm-hmm. actual hell. Maybe the closest is the beyond when they're in that. Or the city painting. of the living dead when they go into the fucking sewer or whatever. Is that yeah. the gate to hell? I don't know. Maybe John There's, John's a gate to hell. Yeah. That's why they're scared of him. Yeah, is it is the gate to hell in this one through through the when he climbs up out of the basement through the tombstone? I think the gate to hell was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that gets my vote. Okay, um, so now let's rank these goddamn movies. Okay, I think God we can do this dang. really fast. I think so too. Okay, um, uh, why don't you start? I think we can almost go together here. Uh, it's pretty clear that we think House by the Cemetery is the third yeah. best one here. For Not all a bad the movie. Yeah. We just talked about. Not a bad yeah. movie. Not a bad movie. Lesser than the other two, for sure. Yeah. Um, number two. Number I two. Think... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say pretty straightforward for me. There's a, I think it's a little bit. You might you might pause on the decision a little bit longer, but I think at the end of the day, there's there's only one correct answer to ranking yeah. these films. What were you going to say? I, I'm going to say, um, because I did have initially like have some mm. confusion of like, Ooh, which one do I want to put number one? But then recounting the plot mm. of this one was like, yeah, this one's uneven. They had some yeah. weird pacing issues mm. at the end. And it's city of the living dead. I think is yeah. number two. For me. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but to be clear, I think that there's not much, there's not much debate between, you know, City of the Living Dead and um, House by the Cemetery. I think City of the Living Dead is clearly a stronger movie. 
Yes. Um, and I think I there agree. is a little bit more room for debate between City of the Living Dead and the number one film in this franchise, series, whatever you want to call it, the very clearly linked together Gates of Hell trilogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number one, The Beyond. Um, what are your, your thoughts, your feelings? you want to share anything yeah. specific? The Beyond is a nightmare. It really is. Mm-hmm. It, like, it, it follows dream logic. It is the end, 20 minutes, fucking rule. Like They're yeah. so good. All yeah. of a sudden, it becomes a zombie movie, a pretty good zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It's visually stunning. That whole like entrance of this blind girl on the the bridge is like, mm-hmm. what am I watching? Yeah. It's a really interesting movie. I highly recommend it. Yeah. If you skipped over our episode on The Beyond, but you've listened to this whole episode, when I was sort of laying out the shortcomings of House by the Cemetery and why I gave it a bed instead of a wed, I'm essentially striking a contrast between these two movies because the beyond is the most successful of these three in sort of obfuscating all of the things that Fulci isn't so good at Mm -hmm. with this surreal dreamlike otherworldly incredibly creepy and intriguing tone and these set pieces and shots and it's just like it works. And I think that like this kind of premise of what he does that's a little bit slapdash, but also I think as a result can create some really interesting and maybe sort of spontaneous things if we're being mm-hmm. honest about it. It's like I think this is the best case scenario. I think the beyond the beyond is sort of what you get um, when when most of those swings connect. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Mike, while I <clears throat> wrap this up and mm-hmm. uh, drop our socials, which I actually was going to say to you, I think going forward, I'm going to uh-huh. record an interstitial with our socials. Oh, that's that a I good put in idea. Between. Yeah. But then we're going to lose the ability to do the <laughs> the extra music and stuff like that. Isn't that... You don't enjoy that? Sometimes it's hard to find... I don't okay. know. Well, maybe I won't do it. We'll see. It's up to you. If you want to do an interstitial, plug it in there. I won't say no. I could do it over the theme song, like a, a music from whatever. This is a conversation. While I'm doing this, though, could you uh, yeah. come up with a definitive uh, series, like the movies that we're going to be doing next? Yeah, absolutely. And I will. S- uh, I can pull it up uh, momentarily. I think I could probably do it off the top of my head, but I'll, 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 I'll pull it up just in case. But I do want to say, so we announced this a couple of weeks ago, but just in case people have forgotten, uh, we are taking next week off. Uh, mm-hmm. It is Killstreak's summer vacation, our last week before you know Labor Day, before we all have to go back to school. Uh, Eric and I deserve a break just like anyone else. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I'm going on a little mini vacation. Should be nice, hopefully. Uh, we mentioned Rhode Island. I'm going to get some party pizza. That was off the air, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Eric, Eric was explaining a very weird version of pizza that's not actually pizza that apparently exists in one town in Rhode Island, and I'm going to try it. Um, that's neither here nor there. So we will be back in two weeks. Um, and I think we had said this before. I think that's we're also going to consider this to be the season break. So we will commence what will henceforth be known as season three of Killstreak uh, when we return in two weeks, which is going to be September 6th. Eric, would you like to try to explain to our audience what we will be doing starting September 6th while I pull up the official list of those films? Yeah. First off, socials are um, at killstreakpod at gmail.com. 
at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can write to us. Also, follow the sh- directions in the show notes <clears throat> to leave us a voicemail, which we always love. This next block of movies we're going to be doing, we're going to be taking a little bit of a um, of a diversion. Not a diversion. A detour, we're, perhaps? A detour. Perfect yeah. way to say it. We're not actually going to be doing a franchise of movies. Instead, we're going to be covering movies that all have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, is that. What, oh, and I just want to, because I, I want to build even more tension. And, and to be clear, this is going to be a big one. We are going to run this all the way through September, all the way up to Halloween. So this is this is the big series leading up to Halloween. Yeah. Uh, we will take and a one-week break to do Halloween Ends in the Exactly. Middle. As I say, we yeah. will be covering Halloween Ends when that comes out. But now we're going to be covering the first Stephen King adaptations. That's right. We're going to be doing how many movies? It's eight or nine um, movies? I think, okay, so we are doing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, we're going to do eight movies. Uh, plus Halloween Kills thrown into the mix there probably the week after it comes out. Uh, we will probably also uh, stray from our normal release schedule right at the end because uh, Halloween, October 31st, falls on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will drop the last of these episodes a day early. I'll just call it right now, and we'll sure. send that one out on Halloween. But yes, Eric, we are doing what is pretty close to the first eight adaptations of Stephen King. Now we're we're making little tweaks here. Yeah, I think we're fudging it a little bit. Yeah, we'll exp- we'll all explain the logic behind it right now. I think it's fairly straightforward. Okay, so we start as one would expect the very first feature film adaptation of Stephen King, 1976's Carrie, directed by Brian De Palma. Great. Um, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna swing right into the next week, 1980, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, <laughs> can't go wrong there <laughs> leprechaun this is not <laughs> um, okay so then uh, this will be the first little kind of oh actually I already fucked up the shining is third um, okay. <laughs> shining is going to be week three because what I forgot was we are making one exception to the feature film rule yes. which is we do want to cover 1979 Salem's Lot miniseries um so that is available. It's available as a film, basically. Um, what were you going to say? Oh, Toby Hooper directed. Yeah. I think it's like three or four hours long. It's going to be... I'm excited. I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah. This it's is three, one of the it's few I've ever seen. Three hours without commercials. Um, awesome. Yeah. This aired on CBS in 1979. So that will be week two. Week three will be The Shining. Um, then week four, uh, we are going to do Creep Show. Um, Mm -hmm. which I, I mean, is, you know, co-written by Stephen King. He stars in it. Um, there are, you know, obviously also a lot of, uh, work by George Romero on that one as well. Uh, and you know, we can get some Tom Savini. Savini, It's going to be great. But yeah, so that's not technically an adaptation of a single King, uh, book. Although there are, you know, adaptations of several of his original short stories in that movie. It came out as a comic book too, a graphic novel. Okay, perfect. There you go. Don't, don't at us. Um, (laughs) 
right, next, uh, we will be doing uh, a trio. No, that's not true. We're skipping one of these. See, this is the thing. It's very, it's very like, uh, uh, you know, we had to kind of, we had to do a little thinking on this one. And I think that was fun too. Uh, not quite so straightforward as just like, here are the seven movies we're going to do. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy curating a little bit. Don't you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, not getting any support on that one. That's okay. Um, so, uh, 1983's Cujo directted by Louis Teague followed by 1983's the dead zone directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, David Cronenberg. Uh, this is amazing. We get to do De Palma, Kubrick, Toby Hooper, and Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, And Romero. And Romero. Fuck yeah. Uh, We will be skipping then 1983's Christine because you guys should know we already covered it two years Mm -hmm. ago during John Carpentober. Um, And then I want to say that brings us up to we're skipping Children of the Corn. Because that that's its own franchise. Yeah, that is that a, we... a large franchise. Yeah. And you were going to say? Oh, we may cover that at some point. So that's why I, I, yeah. I nixed that one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's an argument to be made for Carrie. Um, but, one, I don't really feel the need to cover all no. of the Carrie movies as a franchise. And, two, you couldn't do justice to this concept without starting with Carrie. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, and you feels... could also say the same with with The Shining and this Doctor Sleep. That's just I don't know. Mm-hmm. we're not yeah. counting it. Yeah, no, no, and also to you know whatever, get off our fucking backs, all right. <laughs> um, so we are skipping over Children of the Corn, and we will do 1984's Firestarter, directed mm-hmm. by Mark Lester. This was a movie that was originally supposed to be directed by. Um, a couple of, of really big names, but we'll talk about that. Some people we've already mentioned. Um, and then finally, uh, we're fudging again because technically the next two movies in this chronology would be the uh, collection Cat's Eye mm-hmm. and then also 1985 Silver Bullet. Um which are both very fun movies that would be great to cover. And who knows, we might find occasion to do this again because Mm -hmm. there's a lot more fucking movies after where we're going to stop. But we wanted to fudge things a little bit because to bring a close to the, the Stephen King universe uh, this time out, we're going to jump ahead a year and on October 31st, we will cover Stephen King's only directorial effort, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to say earlier about something about uh, driving a Green Goblin semi-truck into something. I couldn't remember what, what I was talking about, but... Yeah, right. well, you'll get a chance. You'll get two months to work on that bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> it already passed. <laughs> no, I want like a Green Goblin semi-truck. <laughs> right. So there you have it, folks. The adaptations, the early adaptations of Stephen King, starting in two weeks running us all the way through to Halloween. I am very excited, and I hope you guys will be too. Let me briefly see if I can recap those. Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, Creep Show, The Dead Zone. Cujo. Cujo, The Dead the Zone. Dead Zone. Uh, Firestarter. Firestarter, Maximum, Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. That's eight, right? Uh, that is eight. I am yeah. so excited. It is very, very... It's going to be a great break for us to not mm-hmm. have to watch... 
like for instance <laughs> seven leprechaun movies you know, yeah. to like mix it up enough that it's like Lep- oh interesting great yeah. i can watch a new movie tonight yeah. leprechaun truly the whipping boy of 2022 <laughs> really <is>. Kill <laughs> i had the most fun but also it broke yeah. me the most <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think this is gonna be a lot of fun and i know it's a little diversion from format but you know what this is season three this is uh, we're past the sophomore album now we really get to start fucking around you know um all right and as always blood blood not only blood his voice Hey, Eric here. We're stupid and we forgot that we now give a letter grade to the whole series after we're done watching the movies. Um, So I apologize that this is recorded all piecemeal and without Mike, but Mike relayed that he is giving the whole series a B plus. And I think I completely agree with him. Um, Yeah, this series is really good. Really, really enjoy it. Definitely will be revisiting it. Okay, thanks guys, and again, no show next week, bleh.